Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Good morning. Can everyone hear me okay? Yeah? Great, great. Good morning. Glad to be with you all this morning and talk about Jesus. That's really exciting. So today's sermon should be a home run when it comes to the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look and read John 10 verses 11 through 21. That's John 10 verses 11 through 21. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and we'll, const- we'll continue to study our series on the I Am statements. And so if you were here last Sunday, we talked about the statement, I am the door, and Pastor Andrew walked us through what that meant when Jesus said, I am the door. And we walked away with this fundamental truth that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And so today, this sermon still has the analogy and the imagery of sheep, so bear with me. But our main focus will be how Jesus is the good shepherd. And so first, I want to read a few words from Jonathan Edwards, author of Left, The Struggle to Make Sense of Life When a Parent Leaves. I feel like the biggest thing is that at 29 years of age, I still feel like a kid inside. I still want hugs and I still want to feel protected, like someone is going to fight for me and protect me from the bad guy. I crave affirmation from older men and men in general. I want to know that I've done a good job or that someone is proud of me. That was something I never heard from my father and I talk about that in the book. But all of that is still there. It comes and it goes, but it never really leaves completely. So when Jonathan was a young boy, his father abandoned him and his family. And like any other traumatic events, it left him with this sort of eating away at his identity and it left him asking, does anyone care about me? Who cares? So some of us might have felt ignored our entire lives, and we look at this thing called status, and we think, if I make myself important, then people will really care about me. Or some of us might look to social media, the way we communicate globally, and we think, if I have the right number of followers and the the likes that I need, then that will let myself know that people care about me, or at least recognize me. Or what about the way we look at romantic relationships, right? And no matter how you see yourself in that relationship, it's hard to hear the I love you's if that person isn't showing that they care about you at all. So who cares? 
Who cares? In this passage, we'll read about Jesus and realize that we all need care that only Jesus can provide. We all need care that only Jesus can provide. And he provides this care by laying down his life and picking it up again. And those will be my main two points in today's sermon. And so if you have John 10, verses 11 through 21, I'd like you to stand and uh, we'll read John 10, 11 through 21. <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You may be seated. Let's, let's pray. Father, um, open my eyes to the scripture. Uh, let the gospel reign clear as the sermon continues so that believers and non-believers, anyone who hears my voice, will ultimately hear Jesus's voice. Uh, let us better understand what you mean by when you say, I am the good shepherd. So be with us, challenge us, encourage us. Let your presence be felt this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, who is the good shepherd? None other than Jesus Christ. That is our good shepherd. And what makes him the good shepherd? Well, it says in verse 11, the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And already we see here a stark difference between a bad shepherd and one that is the good shepherd. And so in this moment, it's important to let you all know that it's good to think about this passage as a first century Jew. And I, and I want to emphasize that for two reasons. One, hearing this passage similarly to how they would have heard it helps us to appreciate this more. I know that we've been learning and hearing the I am statements, but a lot of this stands out to the Jews. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And two, uh, these verses show First, that the I am statement, the first I am statement here is very personal. Last week it was the door. Now Jesus is the good shepherd. And so it's very personal. 
is coming a lot closer to us. And so this is one of the few cases where Jesus is explicitly talking about his own death to a crowd of Jews. And his death is a voluntary act on Jesus' part. Now again, we're thinking about this as first century folk who have no knowledge of Jesus' death and resurrection prior to hearing this. And they don't even know, but this is the greatest news that they could ever hear, right? And so we 21st century believers, right, we should still be amazed by what Jesus is saying about himself here in this scripture. It's also amazing to think about who Jesus is laying his life down for. So in our finite minds, it would be more logical to hear Jesus say that he is laying his life down for the sheep that love him and have obeyed him all of their lives. But it's strictly voluntary. It's not reciprocity that Jesus is looking for. It's he's doing it out of love. It's strictly voluntary when he says that he's going to lay down his life for his sheep. And I'll dare to say this, it's the greatest single act of love in human history. Can you think of any greater love than this? No, seriously, I want you to think about it. Can you think of any greater love, any greater love act than Jesus dying for us? And so Jesus also mentions the hired worker in this passage. This is the person who does not own the sheep, gets paid, and essentially goes off on his merry way. The hired worker does not know the sheep, doesn't particularly care for the sheep. He flees when danger comes, right? Looks out for his own self-interest. Jesus, on the other hand, knows that he has to face abandonment persecution, mockery, and death on the cross, but he walks towards it. He walks towards that danger. He doesn't flee. Why doesn't he flee? It's because Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep voluntarily. In the book I mentioned, it was, I believe, published in about 2014, and the author, Jonathan Edwards, was asked about his mother and how his mother influenced him while going through this deep trauma of facing his father's abandonment. And so he talked about how she would get up at five o'clock in the morning and pray and read her word, but this is what struck him about his mother. She asked me, either in 2009 or 2010, if I was praying for my dad. I said no. She responded by telling me that if we as a family weren't praying for him, then nobody was. She proceeded to tell me that she prays for him, my dad, the man who left her every day. That blew me away, and at the same time convicted me to the core of my soul. Now, what Jonathan is sharing here is a gratitude that is a result of the Holy Spirit working in his mother. 
His mother still cared for the man that left their family. Still cared. She didn't throw up her hands and say, I don't care anymore. He left me, I'm done with him. And I think looking at this illustration, it's a tremendous call for believers to be used by the Holy Spirit, right? To be used by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will cause us to care beyond what is comfortable or what is convenient. And so the Holy Spirit will cause us to care like Jesus cared. And I'm not saying that if we want to prove our spirituality, then we become martyrs and literally die, although that is what some of us will be called to laying down our lives physically. But what I want us to recognize is that there's a clear distinction between Jesus' sacrificial love that points outward and our own selfish love that often points inward to me and mine, right? Recognizing that Jesus is the good shepherd should cause us to be grateful, show gratitude, and it should cause us to die to ourselves. And that's pretty hard if we're going to be honest, dying to ourselves on a daily basis, Right? And we look at Jonathan's mom, right? It was so easy for her to grow bitter, angry, resentful. But because Jonathan's mom recognized that Jesus is in fact good, it allowed her to, it allowed the Holy Spirit to work on her heart, so much so that she was constantly praying for the man that abandoned her and her family. And so, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to use us? How do we die to ourselves? So the only way we die to ourselves is to be alive in Christ. And so this is what exactly what Paul was saying in Romans 6, 11 through 13, when he says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And so when we die to ourselves, when we die to our old selves, we also die to our own like desires and our own agendas, and we truly see what God has for us. And we look at that at Jesus, when we see Jesus, and Jesus laying down his life for us, accomplishing God's will for his life. The good shepherd not only lays down his life for the flock, but the good shepherd knows his flock. And this is really exciting news as well. This is another important distinction about the character of Jesus and what he's communicating in this passage. Another sign of Jesus being the good shepherd is that he knows his flock just like the Father knows him. And there's relationship capital in this passage, and that's powerful and can't be overlooked because what Jesus is saying here is that he knows your name, he knows your experience, he knows your thoughts, even your fears, and he still loves you anyway, <laughs> right? He acknowledges you. Just like the Father knows the Son, so does Jesus Christ know us. 
And so why does Jesus know us? He knows us because we are his own. And honestly, if we're going to be truthful with ourselves, some of us don't want to be known. I mean, imagine how you would feel if everyone knew your deepest, darkest fears, if everyone knew your insecurities, if everyone knew your weaknesses. You don't want everyone to know that. Jesus knows all that. He knows you, and he still loves you, still pursues you. And some of us would rather hide instead of being known. And that, that hiding feeling might come from being ashamed of the things that I've just said, right? But I like what Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He knows his flock, and he will never leave his flock. So I want to tell you about Mariner's Church. Mariner's Church is a mega church in Orange County, California, I believe. And it's a thriving church. When you look out in the congregation, See, like, lawyers, doctors, engineers. So when it comes to ministry, um, they're pretty resourceful in building ministries that can help those in need around their community. Well, about 15 minutes away from Mariner's Church, there's Mini Street. And on Mini Street, you'll see one of the most dilapidated communities, high crime rates, low prospects, and so knowing about Mini Street, coming from Mariner's Church, they felt, well, we feel called to do something about, you know, changing what is going on in Mini Street, helping them out. And so they decided to make children's events. So they went to Mini Street, told the kids about it, got permission from the parents, and eventually it was a big success. The kids loved it. They were driving the kids by the dozens, to their church campus, throwing picnics and swimming lessons and all these things for the kids. It was a good success. And then they thought, well, what if we make a learning center at Mini Street for children and for parents as well, for the families? It's a great idea, right? Let's do it. So with all their ideas and resources and enthusiasm, they met up with Isabella, one of the most respected voices and figures of the ministry community. And they told her about this idea of creating a learning center at Mini Street. And what she said surprised her. What they asked was met with distance, apprehension, cold reaction. And so she finally said this. How could you care about a neighborhood if you don't stick around long enough to get to know the families? What Isabella was expressing was a 10-year-long history of pain from seemingly similar churches coming in, setting up shop, and leaving. Those churches didn't know the families 
or their children. They didn't know the desires for the leaders in that community and what they wanted to do to build skills and a better future. They didn't know them. Jesus isn't like that. He didn't just die for us, rise again, and then just leave us. He pursues us. And so what's a proper response when we know that Jesus not only knows us but pursues us? It's pursuing him, right? It's getting to know Jesus. And he's already been pursuing his people. When we look at verse 16, it says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, but I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus knows you, and that's an extremely great thing. And so you don't have to hide. His arms are outstretched, waiting for your embrace, waiting for you to be called a son or daughter of God. He calls us to himself, and so we should listen to his voice. And so now we get to talk about his power and authority, right? That's my second point. And we recognize that in verses 16 and 17, um, it says, or in 17, it says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may pick it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So what's so interesting about this scripture is that it says Jesus lays down his life. I already mentioned that it was voluntary, but when we hear about Jesus' death, sometimes we might change the verbiage a little bit. Sometimes we might hear that Jesus was killed or Jesus was defeated. Neither of those are true. He laid down his life voluntarily. He gave up his life willingly, right? Not only that, the scripture talks about how he has the authority to take up his life again. And he did that on the cross. And so with this kind of authority, there is no authority that matches that of Jesus Christ. I mean, who else has risen from the dead? Who else has conquered death? No one. So the authority is very clear. And honestly, if you read on in the verses, that offends some people. It might offend us, right? Earlier, I told you guys to think about yourselves as first century Jews. And when you look at verses 19 to 21, you start to read the reaction. So verse 19 and 20, it says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Hearing from this Messiah that he has the authority to not only lay down his life but pick it up again, that may sound offensive to some of us. Some of us might be thinking, what, you know, like, who on earth has the power to make this type of claim. We hear about Jesus having all this authority and might scare us because some of us are only familiar with 
authority and control being corrupted. And so oppression and degradation are not the will of the Father. Jesus isn't out to oppress you or demean you or dehumanize you. This was evident in last week's sermon in verse 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so Jesus calls himself good, not powerful. And so we can trust his authority because he is good. And this abundant life that we read about can be lived by recognizing what he did on the cross. And so we, we sing about Jesus putting down his life and raising it up again. There in the ground his body lay, Lord, light of the world, by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with precious blood of Christ. That's the third verse in Christ alone. I would have sung that, but I don't want to embarrass myself. I would have asked Laura Kate or Andrew or Savannah to come up and sing that part. But we sing that often about how Christ has rose again. He has the authority and power to do that. And because of that, he paid for our sins. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. The truth is that we can't repay what he has done for us. There isn't the possibility of, in our lives, serving God occasionally, sometimes, right? We are forever indebted to him. And he wants our lives. He wants our entire being. And so Jesus requires our full submission to his will, just like Jesus submitted completely to his Father's will. And thankfully, we can trust his authority because he loves us and he cares for us. He is the good shepherd. He laid down his life on the cross voluntarily, and this is the single greatest act in human history. He knew the danger was ahead, and he faced it. He went towards it, and he conquered death on our behalf. He knows us and pursues us in order that we might have relationship with him. When I think about the story of Jonathan, it's very clear that he underwent some serious trauma. And I think about how that connects to the cross. Jesus <laughs> experienced trauma on the cross by dying for us. But because of his divine authority, he also rose again on the third day for you and me. And as a result, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that we won't be able to console ourselves, heal ourselves, make ourselves righteous. 
He knows that we are completely and utterly dependent on him as his sheep. And so let's pray as we go to our Father, Jesus, our good shepherd. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for caring for us, for being the good shepherd. You are good. And so we can find comfort in that. We can rely on that. We can trust in that. We can trust in you. Thank you so much for coming towards us, facing that danger. Thank you for conquering death, accomplishing your Father's will perfectly so that we can have relationship with him. Thank you so much for not being a hired worker. You know us. You care for us. You love us. And so, Father, allow us to experience that love. Thank you so much for drawing near. Let our hearts be open to you and your authority and your power and your love so that we can become children, your children. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogotá.org.